BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hello, this is Joseph from Black Trip. You're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Mike Lapon from Symphony X, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Thomas Lab in Viathan, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, welcome to episode 490 of the Talking Metal podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, and before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about ways to support what I do here with Talking Metal. You can leave a PayPal donation on TalkingMetal.com using the PayPal tab. You can go to today's show notes also on TalkingMetal.com and use the, at the end, bottom of the show notes, you'll see a link over to Amazon. Click on that, open up your Amazon, and then go make your purchases. And support our sponsor by checking them out on Facebook, guys. We're going to have them linked through today's show notes, and they are... Defenders of the Old Festival 3. I cannot wait for this. It is taking place in New York City, Brooklyn to be exact, on March 13th and 14th, 2015. Please save the date. Spread the words. More bands are going to be announced shortly, but right now, listen to this. This is insane. Exciter will be reuniting. They actually already have reunited, but this will be their first reunited show on U.S. soil. I cannot believe it. I'm so excited. Dan Beeler, Alan Johnson, John Ricci, who's been on Talking Metal a number of times. It's their first show as the reunited exciter on U.S. soil. The first time in 30 freaking years. And of course, they will be performing classics off those first three albums. You also got The Rods, The Wild Dogs, as we know them, are back in New York City for this festival again it's called defenders of the old and and there's more man there's more high spirits freaking love chris from high spirits he puts out so much great stuff high energy rock from from chicago we we know high spirits here on talking metal right guys we've had chris on before we played their music and october 31 is playing and more and check out the facebook page we'll have it linked that's defenders of the old fest three Book your hotels and plane tickets now for this one. It's it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I will be there probably both days, March 13th and 14th in Brooklyn, New York. All right, let's get into the episode. Let's start with some classic exciter, and then uh, that'll take us into today's episode with three great interviews. Let's go. 
Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. On Bud Friendly, here's your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's John Astronomy. Welcome to episode 490 of Talking Metal, coming to you from... Penn Station, New York City, a.k.a. Madison Square Garden, Friday's Restaurant. Yes, today's episode is brought to you by Defenders of the Old Festival. It's the first show, guys, in 30 years on U.S. soil by Exciter featuring the original three members. This will take place at Defenders of the Old Festival in Brooklyn, New York at the Bell House on on March 13th and 14th. Also features The Rods, October 31st, and High Spirits other bands, a lot of great bands at this thing. So definitely check it out. Three great guests on today's show. We have Joseph Toll of Black Trip. We have Mike LaPond of Symphony X. And we have Thomas Islav Sinkovich from Viathin. Right now, let's get into my interview with Joseph Toll of the band Black Trip. This is a great band that features Peter, formerly of Entombed and Murder Squad. We'll check out a little music by Black Trip and then get right into the interview. This is Voodoo Queen by Black Trip.
This is Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Joseph Toll. Joseph, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm spending time in uh, London, down, oh. where my girlfriend is at, so I just travel over here from time to time. Great. Well, I really am enjoying the Going Under album by Black Trip. It sounds great, and I wanted to talk to you about the band. And how did you get involved with Peter and Black Trip? I met Peter uh, at the festival in 2011. We were both playing with... He was playing with Niflheim and I was playing with Enforcer. Uh, he was talking about his project, Black Trip, that he had for many years, but nothing really happened because he, he couldn't find a singer to do the to do the vocals. And uh, he asked me, since I was doing backup in Enforcer, um, so I did a demo tape with him, and it turned out pretty good. We didn't know each other more than that before we started the band. You know? Right on. Now, you mentioned you were doing backup vocals in Enforcer, and uh, in some of your other bands, you were just strictly a guitar player. Is this your first time doing lead singer duty in a band? Uh, no, not really, but it's the first time with a band that has, like, actually done something you know uh, i used to sing for a lot of bands when i was younger just demo bands and i also had a solo project which i still have but don't play with too too often but and that's more like you know the acoustic thing so i didn't really knew my voice as a heavy metal singer before we started black trip Cool. And now this album, Going Under, which again, I just recently discovered, but in other parts of the world outside of America, it was actually released quite some time ago, back in 2013. Why is it taking yeah. so long to hit the American uh, market? Uh, everything took way too much time. Uh, it was, we wanted to release it in the end of 2012, was the first idea but uh the recording was delayed and then uh we didn't know which label to release it with uh we have uh, a scandinavian label that helped us out a lot so it, first it was uh, released in scandinavia in 2013 and then this summer in europe uh, and then uh, we just needed a label that's all uh, we wanted to do it earlier but this was Obviously, the right time, I think. Yeah, Somewhere. definitely. Definitely. And people, when listening to the record, say, oh, it has a retro sound or a throwback sound, an old school sound. Is that something you guys try consciously to capture, or is that just kind of naturally the way it's coming out and the way it sounds? Uh, I think it's, for me personally, it's just natural. There's like no other way to do it. I don't think of it as retro. I, I do just think of it as the sound that I like. Uh, and I mean, it's the, the equipment that we use. It's, it's mostly old amps, guitars, and also the, the studio that we recorded in is mostly analog. So, yeah, I guess that's the reason. But it's, it's not... I, I mean, we don't aim to sound retro or something like that. Yeah. Just, I, I would say, like, for me, the, the sound is timeless. It's still the best sound, you know? 
Right on. Uh, right on. And when you say the studio is analog, does that mean you're recording to tape and going through big old mixing boards and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, the, the only thing that is not analog is that we're actually recording it into the computer with Pro Tools, but all the um, preamps and uh, the board and everything is analog. So that makes it, I mean, people, when you, when you say that uh, you're, you're doing an analog recording, people right away, they think of uh, a, a tape, a tape machine. Uh, yeah. But I would say that the first step is how you play and then it goes through your guitar, through the amp and through the microphones and uh, the preamps and the table is just like the tape is just the final, uh, I mean, ingredient that it's it's not really, it's, it's not the only thing that it has to do with an analog recording, you know what I mean? Right, I hear what you're saying. And being that the, the album was recorded and written quite some time ago at this at this point, have you guys actually started working on any new material? Yeah, we have. Um, we have a couple of new songs. We have a lot of new songs because, like, now we're more of a band, I would say. When we were doing Going Under, it was uh, Peter's, mostly Peter's old demo tapes uh, that we polished a bit, and I wrote all the lyrics and the, the vocal lines. So me and Peter did those, most of the songs together. Uh, but uh, since that, we've been, like, every one of us has been writing songs. Uh, so now we're five people working. We have, all of us have, like, a couple of songs each. So there's a lot of material to to work on. Cool. And what are some of your favorite groups and bands of all time? Who do you like to listen to? Of all time? Yes. Uh, well, that would be... There's a complete mix, I would say. Uh, when it comes to metal, Creator has been a very important band. Uh, like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, of course, at Diamond Head, but also like Nirvana has been a huge cool. influence me in my whole life. You know, it's probably why I started playing music. Oh wow! Cool. Uh, because of them, and uh, I listen to a lot of newer bands like uh, Black Angels, right. the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, all those bands with something black. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of good music in all kinds of genres that I enjoy. Excellent, excellent. Sounds like you have a real open mind when it comes to, to music. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Cool. Actually. And what about touring plans? I always discover all these great bands over in Europe, and it seems so few of you guys are able to get over here to the, the States. Is there any way we could see Black Trip at some point in the United States of America? I really hope so. And uh, I just guess we have to see what happens with the record uh, and all that. Uh, how the response is. Um, we would really like to go over there. and That's, of course, the goal that we will be able to, to make a tour in the U.S. 
soon as possible. Um, so, but it's I guess it's too early to say since I don't know, uh, you know, how the record is going to be approached. Right on. Well, we'll do our best to promote it here on Talking Metal. We thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. And again, I think the album sounds great. It's called Going Under. We will have links up to your site and Facebook page in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Thanks, Joseph. Thank you very much. That was Radar by Black Trip, featuring Joseph Toll, who you just heard from in the great interview Mark did. That was an excellent interview, Mark. Why don't we get right into the next guest? Yes, this is Mike Lapon from Symphony X, and what you're going to hear going into the interview is The End of Innocence by Symphony X, followed by my interview with Mike Lapon.
Hey guys, on the phone line we have Mike Lapon from Symphony X checking in with Talking Metal. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You bet, man. There's a, a number of things I want to talk to you about, but let's start off by talking about some exciting news I heard maybe two or three months ago. My friend Alan Tecchio told me about Mike Lapon's Silent Assassins, and this is an album that comes out on September 26th here in the States, and I'm psyched for it, man. I mean, it sounds like you have some real stellar talent on the the album with you. Who I want to talk about who joins you on the record, but let's first talk about what style of music and songs we can expect on this record. Sure. Um, well, stylistically, um, it's going to be very different than Symphony X. Um, my, my first love <clears throat> has, has always been classic heavy metal, you know? Um, right. So this album is in that genre it's like it takes the old and the new and kind of puts it together. Um, it takes my older influences like, you know, Sabbath, Priest and Maiden and Man of War and all that, and it puts it together with a lot of the newer influences from the, uh, the newer European metal bands that I've been listening to, a lot of the medieval kind of folky kind of bands. So all those influences got put together and um, it came out really, really great. Excellent. And when you mentioned the the European bands, the more modern bands that you've been listening to, any ones you could actually call out for us that you're really into or impressed with? Yeah, you know, I, um, I've been listening to a lot of the folk bands, you know, because I really like the... Uh, I really like that Renaissance type of sound and the folk instruments mixed in with the lead guitar. And um, so, you know, I've been listening to some bands like uh, Tear, um, Arcona, um, Luvietti, you know, bands right, like yeah. that. Yeah. And um, that had an influence on me. Um, and even as a non-metal thing, I've been listening to a lot of Blackmore's Night. And uh, I put that together with all my, you know, with all my uh, 80s and 90s metal influences. And um, it came out, I mean, it came out pretty cool. You know, I was really happy the way uh, everything turned out. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to hear the record on September 26th when it's released. And let's talk about who's on the record with you. Your mate from symphony x michael is playing on the record right yes um michael helped me immensely on the album um i recorded the whole thing at his house um he programmed the drums for me oh wow he he um he also played all the keyboards and did all the orchestration um, and he also did half the guitar leads. <laughs> oh, wow. So he's he's heavily involved. I didn't realize he was that involved with this record. That's that's exciting for Symphony X fans. Yeah, it was great. You know, I, I've, I couldn't have done it without him. Um, and uh, on vocals, um, another guy here who lives here in New Jersey, Alan Tecchio, and um, 
I met Alan properly around 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. And we were um, playing for Seven Witches at the time together. Oh, okay, sure. And and that was when I was starting to think about a solo album. And I was listening to his voice, and I was saying to myself, wow, you know, this guy has tremendous power and, and grit in his voice, but he also has nice melody. And that would be really, really cool for what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, a few years later, when I had the songs finally all together, I approached him with it. Uh, he really liked everything, and um, he came in the studio like a total pro and just knocked the whole thing out within a few weeks. And it was, uh, it was a pleasure to work with him. Now, how aware um, of Alan's back catalog were you, like Hades and Watchtower, nonfiction? Yeah, I, I was well aware, you know, growing up in the New Jersey uh, metal scene, um, Hades was like a staple, you know. Um, I had I remember buying the Watchtower album, um, and yeah, then there was nonfiction. I remember going to see them at Studio One in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was very familiar with Alan, but I had never really met him until around... 2009, 2010, and um, and this whole thing has really made us bond. So we're really, really great friends now. Cool. And who um, else? Metal Mike, right? Oh yes, can't forget Metal Mike. Um, Metal Mike, another New Jersey guy, <laughs> um, and um, some of the some of uh, the metal fans out there might know him from Rob Halford's solo band. Um, right on. He's also been, I know he played with Testament for a while, uh, even Sebastian Bach yeah, for a while. Yeah, he played on a Sebastian Bach record, definitely. Mm. Toured with Sebastian yeah. for a long time, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's 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 pretty well known, and um, I've, I've been really good friends with him for about 10 years, um, and I actually played bass on his solo album. So, um, you know, when I had these songs together, I was like, yeah, I mean, this would be cool for Metal Mike to play on, because... I knew it was kind of up his alley. It was just that, you know, straight-ahead heavy metal type sound. Um, so he was really into doing it. And uh, he did, like, the other half of the leads. So it came out really cool because Romeo's style and uh, Metal Mike's style are really, really different, but they're both still metallic. And... Um, I think they sound really, really cool together. Both are very distinctive. You can totally tell who's playing what lead. <laughs> right on, right on. Cool. Well, I am looking forward to this record again, guys. It comes out on September 26th, which I think will be the, the week after we post this interview. So definitely go to iTunes, go order the CD on Amazon, and check out Mike LaPon's Silent Assassins. Of course, Mike, we got you on the line. We have to ask you a little bit about Symphony X. It's been a number of years since Iconoclast came out. I think that was a 2011 release. What's the status of potentially doing another record with Symphony X? Well, um, I'm glad you asked because um, let me tell you what I did today. Today I, um, I had to pick up Jason Rulo, our drummer at the airport, and um, because Symphony X will begin recording our next album 
tomorrow. <laughs> all right, all right. And how um, how is this going to compare musically with some of the albums you guys have done in the past? Do you know yet? Do you have a, a sense of the, the direction of the music? Yes. Um, I think this album is not going to be as heavy as our last one, Iconoclast. If I had to compare this one, I would say it's a combination of The Odyssey meets Paradise Lost. It has a lot of classic Symphony X elements in it. And um, I think our old fans uh, are really going to appreciate this one. So we're really excited about it. And um, hopefully we can get it all recorded by the end of the year. And then hopefully get it released for the spring. Cool. I'd love to see you guys capture that, you know, older sound that you're mentioning, but also keep the production value that you had on Iconoclast, because that album just sounded sonically amazing. I mean, I, I love that record. That was a really great record. And uh, uh, Thank you. Yeah, you know, um, Jens Bogram was our, um, he mixed it for us and mastered it, uh, the Iconoclast record, and yeah, we just love what he does. Um, and yeah, we um, we just, it wasn't a conscious decision to go back to kind of the older sound, it just kind of happened. Right. That's the way we write songs. We just, um, we just start writing songs, and wherever it takes us, it takes us. But um, there's a lot of really cool classic kind of Symphony X things in there. It's it's very very musical. It, it concentrates just more on solid songs and great melodies. Right on. And Symphony X has been a band that's been around for for decades at this point. Do you see the fan base growing? Our younger kids coming to the to the uh, shows because i tell you i saw you guys recently i took a trip up from new jersey to heavy montreal and you guys were just great and i was just blown away by all the the younger faces in out in the crowd just going crazy while you guys were playing and is that is that a worldwide phenomenon or is that just specific to the montreal canada area well um it seems to be a worldwide thing the one one thing that uh is really amazing about Symphony X and about our fans is um, it seems like every record we just, you know, we move up a little bit more. We get just a little bit more popular. You know, we don't jump up into stardom. You know, it's a slow climb. And even after the band, I mean, the band has been together, it's just about 20 years now. Right. Um, and it just seems like with every album, our fan base grows just a little bit more, and we, we've been able to hold the old fans, too. So thankfully, we're still growing, and, you know, it's, it's always an amazing thing to see, you know, someone really young discovering Symphony X, and, and uh, you know, it just, it just gives you the, the gas to just keep going and, and you know, just keep working hard yeah and and back to the heavy montreal thing uh, again i had such a great time seeing you guys and all the other bands up there the, i just felt like 
there were so many young faces in the crowd there. And I go to a lot of metal shows down in New Jersey, and you see, you know, some young faces, but not not like I saw up there, where it was just, you know, your set and Exodus's set. I mean, you guys, you know, Exodus especially have been around for so long, yet there was there were so many young kids just going crazy to the music and not just male kids females too like teenage girls you know so i i was encouraged by that and i think it's a it's a great sign do you do you think the metal scene is stronger in canada oh absolutely um montreal the metal scene there is it's really phenomenal um it reminds me of europe really um europe the metal scene in Europe has stayed strong and true, you know, whereas, unfortunately, in the USA, sometimes metal's popular, sometimes it's not, you know, it goes kind of back and forth, but, um, yeah, in Canada, anytime we play in Canada, it's just a monster show. I mean, the fans are just over the top, and, um, you know, Europe is that way, South America is that way, too. Um, so, you know, and hopefully, you know, hopefully in the USA we can, you know, uh, kind of see what's going on there and get some fire going and, and get to that same level. Yeah, that would be great. What about some of your other projects and bands you've worked on? Uh, Effector, you guys released a album back in 2012. Any chance you'll be doing more work with those guys? Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> with Effector, um, I do believe that uh, the main songwriter, Daniel, is working on some new material. And yeah, you know, I, um, I'm kind of a workaholic, so when uh, Symphony X has downtime, I'm usually doing all kinds of, you know, all kinds of other things, and... Um, it's just good. It just keeps my creative outlet going. And um, and now with this solo album, you know, I'm really excited about that because this is like something I've always wanted to do. Cool. Now, was your first concert a KISS concert? Yeah, actually it was. Um, when I was 13, my father, he took me to see KISS. And you got to like, you got to think about the way your brain is when you're 13 years old, how impressionable. So, you know, I go to this show, you know, the, the band is coming out of the floor right. to start the show. You know, there's bombs everywhere. People are flying all over the place. And it was just, it blew me away. And, um, and that day, you know, that's when I asked my father, I was like, you know, can you buy me a bass? I, you know, I want to be like Gene Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, so the first thing, you know, he bought me a bass, and then the first thing I did to learn was I proceeded to learn as many Kiss songs as I could, and that's how I actually started. Right on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're obviously just a phenomenal bass player. How How is Gene as a bass player? I mean, he seems like, in some ways, he, he's better than some of your average rock bassists, and he does a lot of those like McCartney-esque walking bass lines and stuff that, that I really dig. But how, how do you view him as a bass player? You know, in the 1970s, when he really cared about playing, he was really, really good. I mean, he had 
lots of nice walking bass lines. And, and like you say, yeah, very McCartney, very melodic. And I always liked when he wrote songs because they were a little heavier and he had a mean voice and it was kind of cool. But yeah, his bass playing was great in the 70s. And then I think in the 80s, he wanted to get into acting and he just kind of lost interest. Um, and it's a shame because um, I think, you know, he really could have been, uh, you know, much, much better. But he just kind of like, I think he just kind of didn't care after, you know, at some point in the 80s when he started doing some acting. Right, right. Lost focus, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. What are some other life-changing concerts for you that you saw when you were younger? Mm. Let's see. Um, definitely a, a major one was when I saw the Mob Rules tour. Oh, <laughs> uh, nice. And that was like, wow. You know, uh, at that time, I mean, Sabbath was... At the, you know, at the time, they were so heavy compared to a lot of the bands that were out there. It was just amazing. And then you had Dio with him that was just, you know, he was at the top of his game, and, and it was just mind-blowing. Right. Um, so definitely that one, for sure. And I remember um, just, I never saw him on that tour. I was a little little young for concerts, but I did get the 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 album, and I remember listening to it. and It just seems so incredibly dark and evil and and, <laughs> and spooky in a way, you know. And it's uh, yeah, it's rare that an album affects me like that uh, nowadays. Oh yeah, that was um, yeah that that album really was like one of those albums that kind of rocks your world. Um, I'm trying to think of another one, another show. Oh, probably another show that was really unbelievable was um, before Metallica really got big, I saw them uh, with uh, it was Metallica, Anthrax, and Raven at the Roseland Ballroom. Uh, it was around 84, 85, and um, that was... That was a mind-blowing show, too. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm going to see Raven actually open for Accept in a couple weeks. Maybe it's even next week. I'm not sure. So that should be interesting. Yeah, I'm actually going to go to that myself. I'll see you you there. Cool, cool. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been great talking metal with you, and we're going to really encourage all the listeners to pick up Mike LaPone's Silent Assassins, which comes out September 26th. And we're looking forward to a new Symphony X record. What would you say? Some Probably 2015? Yeah, I'd say spring 2015. Awesome. Awesome. Exciting news. Okay, Mike, thanks again. We really appreciate you coming on Talking Metal. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mark. Thank you again.
That was a little Silent Assassins by Mike Lapon, which followed Mark's interview with who else? Mike Lapon. That's right. Yeah, Mike Lapon, Silent Assassins featuring Metal Mike and Alan Tecchio, Michael Romeo. Definitely check it out, guys. It is awesome. John, how are things going on the Ace front? Things are going really well on the Ace front. Doing a little additional. Space Invader Press and planning the Space Invader tour dates as well as a few other appearances that I am putting together for Ace in the upcoming months. Very exciting. Congratulations on the top 10 album. Again, Space Invader, great stuff, great stuff. Let's get into the final interview of the show. It's with Tom Islov Sinkovich from Viathan and... Again, they are kind of a progressive metal band. Not kind of, definitely a progressive metal band from Canada. Let's check out the interview and we'll finish up with some music from his band, Viathan. And 
Remember to support Talking Metal Digital by going to TalkingMetal.com. Check out our other podcast, One on One with Mitch LaFon, Mars Attacks, and leave us a review on iTunes. And support our sponsor, which again is the Defenders of the Old Festival in Brooklyn on March 13th and 14th. We'll see you there, guys. And here is my interview with Tomislav from Viathan. Hey, this is Mark from Talking Metal, and we have Tom Islov. Tom Islov Sinkovich. Am I pronouncing that anywhere close to uh, correctly? As close as anyone else gets it for the first time. So. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. We want to talk about your band, Viathan. They, the album is sounding great. It comes out in October. Let's get a little history on the band. Can you tell us where you guys are from? How long you've been together? Sure. Uh, we're all from Calgary. Um, it was just pretty much myself and my brother kind of got together and just knew we'd start a band together. And we, by chance, uh, I worked at a music store at the time, and uh, this was two. 2006, I believe, 2007. Right. Okay. And this kid came in and started shredding on the guitar. And I told my uh, boss at the time that we should hire this kid as a guitar teacher. And we actually worked together for months before I even realized I'm like, this guy could probably actually be in the band. Uh, so we asked him over and long story short, we, we just got to be friends first and then decided to play music together and it wasn't for another two more years that we actually found our fourth member the bass player and then we were actually a band after that and the rest of sort of history just wrote all of our music since then so cool now you mentioned your brother dave right um, yeah. and, uh, have you guys been playing he's a drummer and you have you guys been playing music together like for a long time how long have you two been? Not, as a, not as a band but we have been musically inclined our whole lives but there's about three years difference between us so we really didn't have a lot in common for you know growing up but once we were adults and kind of realized we we're into the same music we thought well why not we you know put our talents together and uh so we actually didn't play together that much before we decided on making a band and getting uh, Jake and Alex in. Cool. And when you say the same music, you guys were into the same music. Like, what kind of music was that that you were listening back to? That you were uh, listening little, to back in those days? Yeah, I'm a little older, so I was definitely influenced by a lot of '80s um, metal, early Metallica and Maiden, and even a lot of punk. I had an older right. sister that got me into even like a lot of pop, Brit pop, and so I just I liked a lot of different things growing up. He was a little younger, but. He, he got me into a lot of uh, symphonic stuff. Like back then, it was like Rhapsody and Luca Turilli. This stuff I've never even imagined existed. It was like insane movie score music to metal, and he was he was all over that, and I didn't even know that existed. So we kind of got the new in with the old uh, and uh, started discovering. Uh, I'm sure it was bands every week we were looking up online on new bands that we didn't even know existed in those genres. Right. Now, you guys have been called progressive metal. Is that a title you are comfortable with? Yes, that's we call ourselves that, mostly. Um, I don't know. I th the easiest one to start off with 
when we were starting was was power metal, but right. I don't see ourselves that way because it was it, to me power metal is a very forward vocalist that has a huge range and very uh, I don't want to make it sound bad, but it's a little bit simpler writing. Your typical verse, chorus, verse, solo, you know, very upfront, and so we focus on the progressive side because we really don't like having both guitars doing the same thing. We do a lot of variations in our song structures. It's very hard for us to write a short song. Right. Uh, so that's the progressive side of things. But our influence is definitely in the power and folk side. We love a lot of that music. Uh, as a whole, I'd say we each have our own kind of influences, but the, the power and folk is more the influence. The progressive is intentionally the writing that we do. Gotcha. Gotcha. And progressive metal, there are so many bands that get this, this title thrown at them or some of them embrace it. Some of them don't, but it bands like tool to dream theater to Mastodon to rush to, you know, to Meshuggah, uh, and, and none of those bands that I just mentioned sound anything remotely like one another. What is true progressive metal to you? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, to, uh, to me, it's this, the way the songs are written. I think there's what's similar about all those bands you mentioned is that there's a feeling that they're, they're shooting out ideas, putting it together and sort of just letting it happen very organically. And I think it separates itself from a very formula style of, of music or genre, even in metal or anything. Uh, I think the progressive side of things is a little more um, thought out to be different, I guess, in a sense. Right. And not, there's it, it, a progression. It's a very literal term. I think this lead to something, some of the best moments of our music is near the end of the song. And I think people who appreciate the music will get it when they sit through a six, seven minute song. Um, that's the progression. It sort of builds on top of each other. So. so progressive music, in your opinion, it doesn't have to have incredibly complicated guitar solos. It maybe doesn't even have to have strange time signatures. It just needs to be something that is different, something that is not falling into any sort of uh, box, if you will. Kind of. I almost the way I see it for myself is almost that you have to listen to that band or that song a few times to, to hear parts. So to me, progression is the way the song is written or the layers that they put in it or, um, you know, recurring themes and maybe using the same chords in one part of the song, but kind of altering it later, like things like that, that you could only catch if you listen to it more than once. That's to me a progressive style of music. Uh, separating it from more standard, so to speak, genres. Gotcha. Cool. Let, let's talk about the new record. It is called Sinashore. It's coming out in October. And this is self-produced? Yeah, everything I did myself. I, uh, Other than um, the mixing and mastering, which a great friend of mine, Sasha Laskow, did. Uh, you probably know him from... Uh, a few bands like Divinity and End It All and right. uh, uh, Walk Is Chaos and a bunch of stuff. Anyway, uh, he helped me a lot. But yeah, from basically from tracking to producing to a collaborative effort on songwriting, we did it all ourselves. So. 
Cool. And what about a label? Do you guys have this coming out on a certain labels? Or is it self-released? Uh, no label. Um, we've we've known a few friends that have gone through the label route, and uh, it just hasn't really worked out for them. And we figure the self-release is going to be what suits us best uh, right now. Um, we have people helping us with publishing and promoting, marketing, going to get videos done, things like that. So um, I kind of like being able to do that also. Uh, no label yet. Gotcha. And next question is about your country of Canada. As as an American, I was recently up in Canada at Heavy Montreal, and you know I've been doing this podcast for oh over nine years now. It, it seems like within the last mm, five to ten years, the Canadian metal scene has really started to flourish and become something. Now, I know it's a big country and you guys are all spread out, but there's a lot less people in Canada than there are in the United States. And yet I feel like there's possibly more metal bands in Canada, at least making waves and that I'm hearing about down here in the States. It just seems like heavy metal is a music that is very strong in Canada. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? I would agree. Um, I would say following it for as long as I have, so many of my favorite bands were always European and then sort of trickled into uh, the U.S. And now lately it's a lot of, uh, like, I like a lot of local bands and I, I like what I hear coming from out east and and places unknown. Um, yeah, it's a very strong country for it. I think – I. I think what happened maybe is the size sort of is creating that Canada is so big that these fans have to try harder to, to get noticed. So I, hopefully that the result of it was that they were making better music and not just thinking they can put something out and, you know, no one's going to hear your music if you can't travel far enough. So they just have to start working harder at it. Cool. Cool. And before I let you go, I want to ask you what can, the Talking Metal listeners do to support Viathin? Is it go online and give your Facebook page a like, or is it go, you know, download the record on iTunes, buy a t-shirt, come see you live, or pro I'd imagine all the above, right? But what's the most important thing they can do to support you guys? I think for anyone that's doing it themselves like we are, or not on a label, um, even more so than buying our stuff is just spreading the word. I think people who like it should tell other people they like it. It's it's the same thing when you made a mixtape back in those days and and gave it to somebody and they spread it that way. I mean, they weren't necessarily making sales, but more people knew about them. And then hopefully uh, you get asked to do shows and, and that will create more sales. So I don't ask for sales and, and things like that. I just ask for people to listen to it. And if they like it, tell someone else. Um uh, yeah, I don't mind if people uh, download it legally or illegally. <laughs> to be honest, I just okay. want people, I just want people to know that we exist, and that and then they can choose for themselves after that. So that's that's the main thing. Yeah, definitely Facebook and and whatnot, and just uh, spread the word. Cool. What can we play for the Talking Metal listeners off the new album right now? Uh, right now, we've been pushing our the the opening track. Um, Ageless Stranger. That's a really cool, high energy song that we've wanted to open the CD with. So we've been pushing that uh, as our uh, first single right now. Um, 
It's uh, it's a good mix between our old album and our new style and, and a focus on just some high energy stuff. Great. Let's check it out right now on Talking Metal. <laughs> 